Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hi, my name is Colby Smith, and you are listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Hey, me friend, how you doing on this lovely Thursday afternoon? I'm just as chipper as a wood chip. I don't know why, but I just, it's a good day. It, it is. I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really happy. How you feeling, Elon? You know, things are all right. Things are on the up and up. As opposed to the down and down, they're on the up and up. Right on. As opposed to the, uh, you know, flatlining. And the shitty shit. Yeah. I'm I'm remaining positive about I'm... things that are occurring in my life outside of the creative realm. Hell yeah. So I, I'm sort of in the same boat. Good. Yeah. Just staying positive, not worrying about things, just being sort of like a taking steps forward in are... a way that is nothing but positive. Good. Wait, I just realized we're talking to each other. We're not talking to our, our listener. Hi, I'm Alon Danziger. Hi, I'm Will Hasty. Welcome to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Archaeology of the audio archives from our youth and from yours so that we can get an evolution of you as a person as well as many other people. What do you think, Alon? That is a perfect way to put it, Will. And we do this every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can listen to us on the Radio Free Brooklyn app if you are on the go. Um, and as well as all the other stuff that Radio Free Brooklyn has 24-7. Our, uh, Radio Free Yeah, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android or slash iPhone, depending on which device you have. And yeah, it's a really nifty app that is perfect for you, your phone because it will not take up any space. I mean, I don't think it will take up that much space. I certainly bit. hope it doesn't take that much space. It's it's like a little I, bit. Wait, wait, let me check. Let me check. While he checks, let me this tell you. This app has crashed your phone. Oh, Excuse us for having our technology uh, uh, fuck with your phone. Uh, but yeah, no, download that and uh, listen to us on the go. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn has a newsletter, too, that you should sign up for. It's called Radio Free Brooklyn, aptly enough. And it only comes to your inbox once a month. And it will be able to provide you with all the information you want to know about ticket giveaways, events coming up, and big announcements. But Elon, um, why does it only come once a month? Because we are dedicated to a spam-free world, 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 world. Uh, yes, now you can sign up for that at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. I think we should probably begin. You want to dive in? I feel like we should dive in. We have a very fun guest today. We dived down a ravine last week. What are we going to dive down this week? I feel like we should dive down a cave coming off of a river. A cave coming off of a river? Wait, do cave? I guess caves do face... Like they are horizontal, not, they're not vertical. I, they can be Wouldn't both. those be like they chasm? Be yeah, right. I, I like feel a like chasm? a chasm would be horizontal, and a, and a cave would be like a little vertical entrance with a little bit of horizontal opening, you know? But I just hope we don't end up like uh, James Franco in the, tw- in the 13 and a half hours or whatever. Oh, God. 27 and a half hours? Yes, thank you. No, no, but my favorite, I don't know. I don't know. I keep thinking for some reason this is terrible because our guest really is amazing, but I uh, I had the image from it. Where they're going by that river, and there's like just that little hole, and it just looks menacing and dark. And I was sort of like, "Let's dive down that. Let's see what's down there." Adventure time. All right, adventure time beginning right now here on the show. Let's do it. Ow. 
Smith is a Brooklyn-based comedian hailing from Cumberland, Maryland. He's performed all over this city, and even in Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., Durham, North Carolina, and Homedale, New Jersey, just to name a few notables. Colby serves as a host of a monthly comedy show called Knapsack that happens at Crystal Lake in Williamsburg. Those familiar with our Radio Free Brooklyn programming may also know Colby as the host and genius mind behind the call-in show Young Persons Radio, which airs every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to Lost and Rewound, Colby Smith. Hey! Hey, happy to be here. Ah, my head, the tables have turned, young the person. The famous yes. Colby Smith, sir. They say you can't have it all, and yet I am both a host and a guest <laughs> on this station. Yeah. So, wait, wait, wait. So, what was this flip? What was this, ta- the tables have turned, The script sir. has been flipped. Well, usually I'm literally on that side of the table. Yeah. On Elon's exactly. side. That was not, this was, because I, I, I was sensing that that was some sort of, like, Elon, I brought you to this station and interviewed you for the first time, and now you're interviewing me. No, it's literally just, I'm not doing my show right now. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> Colby, your, your, your show is a call-in show that happens at, like, the absolute most abjectly odd time mm-hmm. in, oh, yeah. in, in, during the week. Yeah, it's true. When what time's your show? Sunday mornings at 10. 10 a.m. Nice. On a Sunday morning. Dude, I, am, I, I would love a show at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. That's a mm-hmm. good wake-up, like... You're waking up, you're post-coital, you're just sort of like, oh, let's turn on some radio. I want the dulcet <laughs> tones of Colby Smith that coax right. me into arousal. So many of my uh, my listeners are <laughs> just swanned by in the arms of their loved ones <laughs> whenever they turn the show on. Well, I must ask, uh, when you, I mean, obviously, you know, you and I uh, both had ideas that were like, we should be on Radio Free Brooklyn with our concept. And then you pitched this idea to Tom and Rob. You, you were dead set on doing this call-in talk show. What inspired you to bring it to the table? Oh, I mean, it's uh, I've, I've just been a, a fan of uh, The Best Show with Tom Sharpling forever. Uh, okay. So it's really just me ripping him uh, off. That's fair. <laughs> no, but, no, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, you bring your own stuff to it, obviously. But no, uh, that, that format, in my mind, he really kind of owns. Uh, so would would be uh, remiss not mentioning him. Good so, writers borrow, great writers steal. There you go. WFMU yeah. is a station that I actually listen to quite often uh, lately, uh, admittedly, uh, when I'm in the car and not uh, listening to the Radio Free Brooklyn app for Android or iPhone. Sorry, I had to throw it out there. Uh, no, but uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, interesting because having roots in radio, uh, despite you know being you know comedians slash you know acting and you know performing, this love of radio was always very strong with you. Clearly, yeah. Did you listen to radio a lot when you were a kid? Oh yes, talk radio very big in my family. Uh, my really? dad was a big hmm. a big fan. Paul Harvey in the last years of his life was on a lot on uh, afternoons. Um, the car talk on NPR. Car talk no. Way. Probably was godly. It was, yeah, it's a classic. Probably the most one one of my most vivid memories as a young man. It's like my my great grandfather towards the end of his life lived on this lived literally on the Potomac River. Uh, in just like this big house and it was like this big yard and so we would go and like cut his grass and everything and he lived about an hour away from us and on a Saturday mornings car talk would be on and it would take about the length of the drive to get through the whole the whole episode. Um, so we were just, uh, yeah, I was that's a, a devoted pretty awesome listener. navigation marker for you. You're yeah. sort of like, show's almost over. Up, oh, we're almost, we're almost there. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without fail. 
That's pretty awesome. You, you decided to name it Young Persons Radio because you yourself uh, see yourself as a young person. <laughs> no, actually, quite the opposite. <laughs> so it's tongue in cheek, you say? I, I it don't is see, tongue I don't in cheek. See, yeah. I don't see any grace. You don't. Look. No, I mean, I have a, I have a baby face. I think, uh, uh, I think I, I look young, which I, is good. I've always thought of it as bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, there's a, there's a, a, a lint of irony to it, I guess, because I just, I can't, I knew I couldn't pretend to be like a cool radio guy. <laughs> yeah. I've had the privilege of being on your show a few times as a guest, uh, as well as, um, well, I should say a couple of times. Then I uh, had the privilege of also guest hosting, yes. uh, for you with our friend Molly Densmore. And, uh, on all three of those shows, I think maybe a total of two or three calls at the very most came in. Are your shows normally more abundant with the call-ins? I mean, it varies. I had 12 calls once. <laughs> that's the most. Uh, but that's because I posted that morning, if 10 people call the show, I'll spend my own money to see Escape to Margaritaville, the Jimmy Buffett Broadway musical. So and, it, uh, it, it, they they turned wow. out. <laughs> Didn't know Jimmy Buffett the musical was such a draw. Well, Will, it's closed now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Good to know. You didn't see it. Uh, you got no chance to see it. Now. Thoughts on Escape from Margaritaville? Oh, I'm very pro. I'm very <laughs> oh boy! Escape to Margaritaville. Can we can we get a premise because that that the title sounds eerily close, and and this is just me hoping, hoping, hoping. The, the title sounds eerily close to Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York. Right? Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's not nearly as epic. It, it, <laughs> if it was just Escape from New York, but in Margaritaville, sure, like you're escaping from a Margaritaville I, restaurant I need, for ninety minutes. I need I need Kurt Russell to basically dress up like the dude in this capacity. He'll be like another version of the dude, but like with a, a, a knife in his pocket. Yeah, Snake yeah, yeah. Plissken will get you out of here. Come with me if you want to live. Wrong movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. But the premise of Escape to Margaritaville. So Margaritaville is a place. It's a real place. An island hotel, basically, in the Caribbean. A single hotel, or a just a or a resort it's town. A, it's a hotel. It's a hotel, and uh, you know, a surrounding community. Okay. You know? A surrounding yeah. community. I forget the lead character's name, but the lead character is like the the singer and the frontman of the house band at the Margaritaville Hotel. He's just loving his life, banging tourists as they come through in the summer, <laughs> and uh, singing his songs and not really doing anything until he meets the female lead, who's there and is very uptight and loves. Uh, work and uh, dun, dun, dun. and uh, they they learn things from each other while falling in love. Does she ground him and bring him back to not Margaritaville or? Uh, well, yes, this... because of her, he basically has a, a successful music career. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing about that is that his like he has like a hit song in the story of the musical, mm -hmm. which is a because it's a Jimmy Buffett jukebox musical, mm -hmm. is a Jimmy Buffett song that in the real world was not a hit. Ah. So the reality is broken. So can you just see Jimmy Buffett being like, fuck you guys, this should have been a hit. I kind of musical. I kind of do think that when they were going through, he was like, yeah, I always thought this one <laughs> didn't get the love it deserved. <laughs> and of course it's, with a little love and luck, you will get by. We'll get by. With a little love and luck. You'll taste the sky. Taste the sky. Oh, my God. Which is more prominent, uh, your love of Broadway musicals or your obsession with Jimmy Buffett? I think it's, well, I do think Jimmy Buffett is fascinating. I think he is a fascinating figure because 
in his real life, he was this guy who was on the Gulf Coast bumming around to like singing these songs and like had like minor success as just like a country artist before he became this like industry. And now he has six houses, like is a very like devoted businessman and has gotten mm-hmm. as far away from that life as possible while still marketing the image of a beach bum with not a care in the world who loves to <laughs> sail. I love sailing and margaritas. <laughs> exactly. And uh, uh, by the way, this is my annual investor address. <laughs> <laughs> can but you, can you, oh, sorry. No, Q1 no, 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 numbers are up. Uh, I love margaritas. Okay. So, I mean, if you actually bet Jimmy Buffett, can you imagine him being this sort of, you know, consummate businessman these days? Or is he somebody, or like, is he still known for I being, do. does he still oh, play yeah. shows? Well, there was a, there was a, he does still play shows. No there was way. a profile of him in the New York Times that gets at this very thing, like right as the show was opening. Oh my God. Uh, where it is like, he likes being super involved. If they're like the the figurehead at this like mm. giant organization, they'll have someone, they'll like hire like a CEO or whatever to like actually run the business. But he is like super involved. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's actually the CEO. He can't possibly be the CEO. I don't know if he's the CEO. He's not just the CEO. He's also a client. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But he does like get up super early and like take business calls and like check in on people. Because that would be extraordinarily rare for somebody, especially in in the creative to become, to develop the skill set to just be a CEO. Because that takes as much energy as as developing any of the creative endeavors. It seems like you're somebody who enjoys taking in the theater. Just I don't know. No? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I like plays fine. I, I wouldn't say I love Broadway musicals. I mean, I enjoy them, but it's okay. not something I follow, really. Wait a minute. I you like weren't Les the guy Mis. that stabbed that guy to get that ticket to Les Mis? No, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I just want to float this. Hmm. What musical, what subject matter, whether it was out of sci-fi, comic books, comedy, whatever it would be, what, what musical would draw you? to Broadway right now or what 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 would have to be the concept for the show to get you to go all right my my perfect musical okay all right so it's it's set in space yes it's a space opera space opera all right and uh, call back to one of our shows yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's a space opera and it stars uh it stars Judy Greer cool (laughs) In her Broadway debut. Love it. Here's the duo. Here's the here's the romantic leads. Judy Greer, David Duchovny. <laughs> and they okay. both sing a lot. And it kind of sounds like Pierce Brosnan singing SOS by ABBA in Mamma Mia. Oh, my God. <laughs> but David, I, I mean, I say that, but David Duchovny has put out several albums so at David this David Duchovny is like a good several, musician. Several, you say. Yeah, I mean, at least at least two. I am older, and we are here in space. <laughs> Look, Colby, what was your uh, upbringing in terms of like theatrical involvement? Uh, you got oh, the comedy none. at what time? Zero, none, none whatsoever. What? None? I mean, bullshit. What? What do you mean? Okay, you're you're Catherine Elon describe you as con- as a consummate performer. Is that insane? Well, that's very nice of you to say. Uh, I it all. I mean, it, I feel like it all came later. I mean, I, I didn't do any like any plays in high school or anything like that. I was uh, my my breakout role was in eighth grade. Uh, my school was so small that they made everyone be in the play so that they could nice. staff the whole thing. It was the Man Without a Country, 
and I uh, I was the helmsman of the ship that so much of the action takes on. So I'm in the background of every scene, just like, <laughs> <laughs> just like steering, handling, that this, wheel. handling this like this ship's wheel, <laughs> this captain's wheel. That's amazing. And then there's like a battle, and I like spin the wheel. Really <laughs> and I did it like I was so bored in rehearsal once that the the guy who was directing was just like, "Hey, can we not spin the wheel so much?" And it's, <laughs> it's very distracting. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, you were, you were uh, listening to radio. You were not really much of an actor. What was Colby? No, Smith's- not an actor. I mean, by elementary school, we'd do a concert every year, and it was always like the fifth grade was the class that was like front and center, and then all, all the other grades were like singing backup, basically. And you had to do this, and it was a Christian school, so it was mostly just like it was mostly Christmas shows. But for some reason, when I was in fifth grade. We didn't do a Christmas show. We did one at like the end of the year. We did one in like uh, May, June, and it was like a smattering of songs. I don't even remember what they were, but I had to play a dog. I had to play Blooper the Dog. What? what? And I had to, it was like the only costume in the whole show was like me dressed up as this dog. <laughs> yep. This one song. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I got the bug. All right. <laughs> blooper. blooper. You're not just blooper. Hook blooper yeah. the dog. You're not the first guest on Lost and Rewound to uh, lament about your time dressed up as a dog on stage. Uh-huh. Uh, our friend David Piccolomini had also talked about that as well one time. Me and Dave, Cosmic Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of are. I mean, you're both from like that same sort of Potomac region. I think he's from Delaware. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Where did no, you go to school? But I, I went to the University of Maryland. You got into improv and comedy when you got to college. Yes. Yeah. That not Not in high school. No, I mean, there was no uh, apparatus for it in high school. I mean, there there is kind of a local theater scene, I guess. There is like a theater downtown that does uh, shows every so often. I don't know if it's like local actors, though. Um, but I, I wasn't. I mean, my family is not really into that kind of thing. So I wasn't like plugged into it. Do you have siblings? Yes, I have two younger siblings. They're both highly educated, uh, successful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. But yeah, I mean, it's humble beginnings. You know, my parents are the first people in their families to go to college. They're both from like West Virginia area. I mean, my dad's from Maryland, but it's, it's so it's like you know steps away from the West Virginia border where he's from. He works at a university. My mom's an accountant, and uh, you know, it wasn't something they grew up with really. So it's not something that they were like looking to pass on. Their oldest son said he wanted to be in comedy, and what did they? I mean, they were just how, kind of how did they uh, blandly supportive. Blandly uh, supportive? <laughs> yeah. That's I, I, I mean, it doesn't really, I don't think it connects with them on a way that they're just like, oh, I always wished I could do that. But they recognize it's a thing I enjoy at this point. Did they see the passion in you and did they support that? Or was, there, or was it sort of like, why would you want to do that? <sighs> it was probably more in that direction, <laughs> but not in a way that was like discouraging okay. either. I don't know. I, I, I didn't get nothing from them, but I didn't get a lot either. Yeah, I, I felt pretty on my own in terms of making that have, decision. Have they seen you perform? Uh, no. I don't no? Think so. But they live really? far away. I mean, it's, they're not up here. They're not up here. And they don't often. come up here. They've come up a couple of times, but I never had a show when they were in, It's never in, in, in conjunction. Never. But, siblings have. My siblings came to... When I uh, I did a show in D.C. a couple of years ago that they came to. What was that like? Fun. Great. I was glad they could see it. It was like a nice big crowd. It felt very legit. You know, what was, I was what happy kind of they sh- could see me in that capacity. You were doing stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. And that was your first foray into the comedic realm, or were you doing improv or sketch first before stand-up? Uh, the first time I ever did any performing, it was my second year of college I spent uh, at the University of Sheffield in England, which is about really? uh, ah, two yes. hours north of London by train. This, and, uh, this ties into some clips we're going to play later in the show. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
And I had wanted to do it for a while. So backing up a little bit, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with Whose Line Is It Anyway? Nice. And, Good uh, show to be obsessed with. Anytime yeah. I, this was actually my first idea for this show, but the, the, the steps to like get the audio from this were, were too great in the short time that we had. But whenever I would have like, uh, I would always have like a birthday party sleepover where I'd have like my couple friends over to spend the night. And then we would always take our little camcorder and make like our own little episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, that's awesome. Like in the basement. And they were so fun. So I like I liked doing that. And then uh, that desire kind of stuck with me all through high school. But I never really acted on it in any way until I got to college. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm over in this foreign country where no one knows me uh, and I will not see them again. I, if I try this and it sucks, there's like very little I have to be afraid of <laughs> in terms of like, well, then I can just leave at the end of this year and, and just like forget it ever happened. Um, so I, I, I tried, tried it, really liked it. A lot of those folks are still doing stuff in, in England and having like a really nice, uh, little moment right now. Uh, so, so was that a seminal was where, where, how, how big yes, of an experience that was, that, that was huge. That was huge. So it was just like a student group. We would put on a sketch show at the end of every, uh, semester at like one of the venues on campus. And then what we started doing was having monthly like workout shows. Basically they would be so long. <laughs> and we would like all do stand up at them for the first half, take a break, and then perform all our new sketches in the second half. Oh, like and scripts just, like, in hand or memorize? No, no, we would we would memorize them, and we would nice. we would do like very minor costumes. But it was like, God, just the unearned confidence of nineteen year olds just being like, yeah, like this is this is my this is my thing. And just, this like, is what I do. Every thought, like every stray thought, was put into these stand up sets, and they would be like ten minutes long of just completely untested material. And uh, you know, I I miss it. I miss that rate of uh, production. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't miss that kind of like that that kind of uh, creative yes. community? But. Did any of it kill? Were there are there any particular shows yeah. from that time that where you were sort of like, oh, my God, that was the moment where I said, I want to do this forever. Well, I yeah, I, I don't know if I had like an epiphany moment like that, but there was one of those workout shows they're talking about where, yeah, I just I just crushed, crushed for 10 minutes. And I was like, well, this is the best I've ever felt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's a good pat on the back. A few. Yeah. Pats. Yeah. Right yeah. Do you have any mentors uh, or in that moment that in, in that time of your life that really helped you get to that place where you had that confidence uh the guy who ran the student group i was there like a fall spring and i think he graduated that fall and then just like stayed on to finish out the year with the student group but he was like a couple years older and had done a little more in the the, like the sheffield scene than anybody else and uh, his name was sean morley and he's uh, a wonderful comedian to this day that's Uh, wonderful where's he based he lives in sheffield or birmingham maybe um, wow, a Sheffield or Birmingham comic. But, uh, yeah, Birmingham. sure. Uh, but he's like, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he's blowing up a little bit right now in uh, really in England. Yeah, that's great. Uh, he's been on BBC Radio a lot lately. Nice and uh, that kind of thing. What made you move to New York? Well, I wanted to live here because it seemed like the only place to go. <laughs> because I mean, I was an English major in college and at the University of Maryland. And, High five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just a couple of employable young uh, boys. So useful, so useful yeah. to so many fields. Oh wait, help, help <laughs> us! It's alright. I was a writing major myself too. So yeah, I, yeah. Can, so you know the you know the plight. Triplet. Oh, you were uh, your 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 first uh, year in New York was spent in Brooklyn, or where did you live? No, my first year here was in Washington Heights. Uh, was the first place nice. I lived. Well, I I lived in the uh, the NYU student dorms for two months. What got me into the city was I signed up for. 
the NYU School of Continuing Professional Education or whatever it's called. Nice. Does a six-week intensive uh, called the Summer Publishing Institute. And I was an oh, English wow. major, so I thought publishing was the logical next step for mm. me employment-wise. Publishing? So, yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, I never worked in publishing. <laughs> no, no, but like, well, but you were on that trek where you would probably have even emphasized the desire to be more in the writing realm. Yes. Did you have a focus on news, fiction, nonfiction? Was it like what? What were you heading over there to learn, and what were you heading over there to focus on? It was well, it was three weeks on book publishing and three weeks on magazine publishing. Oh, wow. that was how they broke it up. And I really wanted to get a job at a magazine, but uh, I mean, the year was twenty twelve. And Ugh, the, oh no. the, uh, the magazine industry was uh, panicked about. So we're uh, all ending. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, newspapers too. I mean, uh, yeah. print media in general was, at, I think, at peak panic mode at that point. Yeah. The New York Times had just gone behind the paywall the year before or something like that and had like seen success with it. And so everyone else at that point was just like, well, okay, well, maybe we can make the internet uh, work for us and unfortunately what you know what that has descended into is maybe we can just pay writers ten dollars for yeah. five thousand words yeah so the that economy was like just starting to decline which was like very fr- i mean there were just no jobs there were no jobs for someone like me yeah. with no connections uh and just a lot of enthusiasm i wish i could remember the name of the paper but at that time i don't think it exists anymore i mean maybe it does just in an online capacity but mm. there was still an alternative weekly newspaper that served just the washington heights and inwood communities uh where oh i lived God, in 2012 no no it wasn't the it was like I don't remember. It was like the Manhattan Times or like something ah. like that. It was like mm-hmm. a misleading title for the small scope of influence that it <laughs> exercised. But that was my first paid gig in New York was doing nice. freelance reporting for them. And it was $50 an article. And I wrote about things like the Bloomberg soda ban at the time. I was getting reactions from people on the street did for you, that. Did you do the weed comparison? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. This I much weed would have made it a better article. is less illegal than this much soda. <laughs> It seems like there's a sort of a, uh, a through line with uh, being a journalist and having an interest in radio. Did you ever see yourself as wanting to work for not necessarily an NPR, but doing uh, like radio reporting? Radio well, news? yeah, I had an internship actually lined up at WNYC. It was unpaid and I didn't have enough money at the time to like devote all of the time that they wanted me mm-hmm. there. And it's the biggest professional regret of my life that I couldn't make that work somehow or like somehow it just seems like professional if I really yeah my biggest professional professional <laughs> biggest professional regret of my life okay, we got the title uh, of the show for this that week. I couldn't make that <laughs> I couldn't make that work because even like even in hindsight it just feels like professional welcome to professional with Kobe Smith yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a uh, like a Viagra <laughs> <laughs> no I'm thinking propecia I'm thinking yeah. you're just telling the world you're hairless <laughs> <laughs> You still got some. You still got it. Yeah. Don't worry. Professional changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And, and okay, so it didn't work out with WNYC. Granted, you know there are only going to be so many opportunities that come to you that are not necessarily paid opportunities. That clearly mm. could have been something you'd done earlier on. Well, I knew that I liked working in it. I had done an internship when I was in college at uh, WPFW, uh, your station for jazz and justice. Uh, 98.3. That sounds awesome. Uh, in, your in Washington, D.C. station for jazz and justice. I mean, that's righteous. a great, that's a great fucking title. I know. That's a Tipping my hat to whoever came up with that. That was great. <laughs> Ithaca yeah. Colleges was just the station for innovation, which was 
catchy, but the station for jazz and justice is just <laughs> it's that's, awesome. That's I mean, it's like Electronica it, it's and elections. <laughs> <laughs> It's still around. It's, uh, I don't know if uh, I should look and check, actually, if uh, Gloria Minot, the uh, news host I worked for there, is still there. I think she is. But yeah, so I did that first semester. And so I knew I, you know, I'd always had an interest in it. And uh, I knew that I liked it. Um, so kind of pursued that when I first got to New York. It didn't pan out. It just kind of laid dormant for a while until I found uh, Radio Free Brooklyn in 2016. Switching gears now, we have a quick clip here to play. Okay, so this, yeah, I'll set this up. So my, like, tight-knit group of friends in high school and I would get together and play Spades, which is a great card game for four mm. people. My junior year, I had, like, one free period. I was the teacher's aide for my chemistry teacher at the same time that my three best friends were teacher's aides for our algebra teacher and uh, an another one, biology, I don't remember. Calc. Um, so a lot of times it was like, well, we're going to put these test grades in the computer and there's nothing else for you guys to do. So we would just sit in the back of the chemistry teacher's class and play spades and just like gab. And uh, it was great. We did that my whole, they were a year older than me. So we did that my whole junior year, pretty much. We got back together summer or Christmas 2013. And I just, I know that this is like kind of a creepy thing to do, but I turned on the voice memo thing on my phone and mm -hmm. I set it on the table and just like recorded the whole night because I think I knew in some cosmic way maybe that it was like the last time we would all be together in that oh my like, God. way like and it it has proven to be the case you know six years on i've seen those people individually or like maybe like two of them at a time but not together but that that whole combination has not reconvened since then um so right. yeah so this clip is where we're shuffling the cards and we talk a little bit about the origins that i just described and then we just immediately start gossiping I was explaining this to somebody that like we started playing during school and I was like, yeah, we we're aiding. And they're like, what is aiding? And I was like, actually, we didn't do anything. You're right. We're like, right <laughs> sometimes. It's like we maybe plug some scores in the computer and then we play yeah. cards. Yeah. And then I would Chick like walk across the hall to the coolest class and be like, hey, guys, want to hang out? Yeah. <laughs> but are both of the Pierces married now? Or just one? Just one. Oh. The other one's been dating somebody forever. Okay. Which one's married? Raylan. <laughs> what? Wait. I didn't mean anything by it. So it's just like a oh. <laughs> yeah, wait. Look, and Marissa's married. Yeah. Marissa Shade? Marissa Shade. I met married. her husband. Oh He's yeah. Super nice. nice. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I mean, why, why yeah, no, nobody's worried. Yeah, nobody's yeah. worried about Marissa Shade. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the nicest person ever. <laughs> Literally. Like Yeah. I don't think I've ever met anybody nicer than her. <laughs> And then, yeah, Megan Langan's engaged just recently. So crazy. And then isn't, um, Lindsay Twig is pregnant? Really? Dang. Really? I really? so. Um, you guys do better with the gossip than I do. Devin, I see things on Facebook. Devin, <laughs> Devin and Shelby are engaged. I saw that. Oh. Um, but there's no date on it. Mm. It's an interminable engagement. Ooh, I'm going to say two. <laughs> what is that so it's just like they're dating. It's just like they're regular. Just yeah, yeah. He bought her jewelry. Yeah, he bought her jewelry to shut her up <laughs> about getting engaged. Well, Christina made like almost a comment last night. She was like, because yeah. she brought up how they're like basically married, but like who? Her Christina Russo and her boyfriend. Okay. Because yeah. so I feel like, like there's like heading in that direction of like maybe we will be soon. Yeah, then, I think so. Well, she said they've been dating for like five years. Yeah, and now they live together, so it's like. 
Probably been yeah. together for five, five years no in the spring. I'll say four said. again. How many did you say? I said two years. There's like five left. Because I said two. You said two. You said two. You said four. Don't be afraid to bet high if you need to. Well, I'm afraid of what happened last time. I'll say. Bless you. Three. I thought another one was coming. <laughs> Bless you. There it is. Thank you. Were you allergic to your hand or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, if we, did I only bet two? Somebody only. Bet, I think I bet four. Card games are good for gossip time. They are. They really are. They are. That's great bonding time. You know, talking about engagement gifts or something like if you had to shut somebody up and get them something, be like, we're gonna do this, okay? Appreciate it. Would you get something of worth an item? And if you had to, what would you get? It doesn't have to be traditional. There was a stretch where when I was invited to weddings, I would just always get them a George Foreman grill. (laughs) (laughs) That a a boy. Whether it was on the registry or not. (laughs) Oh, you live in a tiny apartment? George Foreman. (laughs) Right? You love this. (laughs) Uh, It felt like apparently the last time that you all were going to hang out and... When you have that moment when you are spending time intimately or, you know, just like, you know, in close quarters with, you know, know, really close friends and you don't in that moment realize that that it's going to be it. And then you listen back to that and you realize, well, you know, the last times that you see people really aren't that exciting. It's usually just sort of very normal and there's nothing really sensational about it. It's just fairly mundane, mundane slice of life. Yeah, I think Um, it's super true. But I mean, what you want in that is just to like spend time in the other person's brain. You don't necessarily want some like revelation or like a turnkey to your dynamic or your like emotional dynamic with them. Do you keep in touch with a lot of people that you grew up with? No, I don't. Folks in this tape, I guess, are the people I keep in touch with the most regularly from my high school days. But Mm -hmm. it's not even that regular. If I'm going to be home for the holidays, I reach out to see who's going to be where. And uh, we try and like set something up. And again, it's always like a different combination of folks. Never all at the same time. If somebody who you were not expecting to be in touch with uh, reached out to you and said, hey, I thought your show was really funny. Or they call in, God forbid, on Young Persons Radio Uh every Sunday here from 10 to 11 on Radio Free Brooklyn. Then you would be like, what? Yeah. You You know what I'd say? Get lost, loser. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking answer. Oh, and to think, and to think the, the, the pitch of your show is that you can call in and guarantee that you will be cooler than the host. Yes. For, but, um, but not necessarily <laughs> if you are from Cumberland, Maryland. Right, well, do you have a sort of like hopeless romantic romanticism of this last meeting? I mean, this is something that could only exist in high school, right? You guys mm-hmm. are in this class together. You're all aides. Yeah. And you're all having this sort of pretense to be together yeah when all it really is is hangout time and bonding time yeah do you miss that do you miss that connection is that something you still think about or oh yeah i think about it not all the time i think about it a fair amount do you guys know who vivian gornick is she's written a number of memoirs i guess and her most recent one was called the odd woman in the city and it was all about i mean it's about her life but like she keeps coming back to this lifelong friend that she had that they would go on these long walks and gossip and just like chat and that kind of thing. And none of it was ever very profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she talks about how you know a good friend when the side of yourself that they bring out is one that you 
like the most. God, that's and, such a good line. Uh, I, God, I, that's, that's how I, feel. I I felt like with this crew, I always felt like this is the version for me that I like the most is with them. That's that's what I would say. When we come, that's awesome. When yeah. we come back from the break, we're going to listen to a version of Colby that has not been heard by many <laughs> or at all. Anybody or uh, some people have heard it probably. I think you could probably count them on one hand. Yes. You oh. can count them on one hand and play a game of spades with them. And <laughs> it's uh, coming up in a little bit here on Lost and Rewound. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Stick around. Again, Lost and Rewound, the weekly jump into your yesteryear archives of the audio variety. And if you want to be on the show like Colby is here, then you can absolutely reach out to us via email at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And yeah, send us your pitches, your uh, complaints, your ideas. Uh, Certainly interested in hearing what perhaps you might have that you want to talk about and get embarrassed with us over. If you want to hear any of our past episodes, go to lostandrewound.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash lostandrewound and uh, other sites you get your podcast. Um, I guess what, like Check Spotify, them. iTunes. Um, yeah, they're all there. Colby, thank you again for contributing the clips that you are about to unleash onto us. Could you please tell us more about the University of Sheffield? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> like I said, when I was a sophomore in college, I spent that year abroad at the University of Sheffield in England, and that's where I first started doing comedy. How um, did you even get this opportunity? This is just like... Did you tell it was an exchange. The was University exchange of Maryland program. had an exchange uh, program with the University of Sheffield, so I just like took somebody's place and we... Uh, um, I spent the whole year in either one. The year I came back to the University of Maryland to finish out my undergraduate career, they were doing a show on the student station at the University of Sheffield, and they asked me if I wanted to contribute just like little, like three-minute dispatches from the USA uh, <laughs> that I would like pre-record and then like email them the files. And so That's like, awesome. it was very nice, and I was like very excited about it. And listening, I listened, to, I did five of them. I listened back to all of them in preparation for this, and I was kind of just like, okay, these are painfully unfunny <laughs> but there, i've always got like i've got something i'm not just like riffing i like I clearly have an idea of something to do that i just can't bring off because uh you know i'm 20 and and uh just not funny wait so uh, this is what, what you're this is 2012 2011 this is 2011 2011 2011 okay. yeah okay uh, then i'm it. doing these all right first one right now Hello, Stiffass Brits. This is your American correspondent, Colby Smith. I want to begin by apologizing for my absence last week. 
I hate to miss my usual slot in the program, especially after my previous two incredibly hysterical dispatches. But you know how work piles up. Uh, for example, all last week I was so busy I barely had a minute to breathe, and I feel like I should explain myself, or I should explain my absence to you um, by recapping those events so that you understand uh, how busy I was. Um, on Monday night, I had dinner with former President Bill Clinton, and he insisted on taking me back to his hotel room to meet Scarlett Johansson. I'm not sure what she was doing in his hotel room, but I didn't think about it at the time. Uh, Tuesday, I, and obviously I couldn't record after that. Um, Tuesday night, I had box seats to the New York Yankees baseball game, and who walks into the box but Jerry Seinfeld. Now, this was especially embarrassing because Jerry had been begging me to let him open for me at my stand-up shows for about four months now. And I keep telling him, Jerry, I've, al I've already got Don Rickles and Gilbert Gottfried. I don't have room for you. Well, he didn't like that very much, and uh, we sat through the rest of the game in near silence. And it even went into extra innings, um, so I didn't get a chance to record that night either. So I had to move my recording plans to Wednesday night. Well, Wednesday night, turns out I had some real work to do. I had to single-handedly repair the Washington Monument, as it had recently suffered earthquake damage um, in August, and uh, they wanted me to do it. And uh, rappelling from the top of a 170-meter-tall monument is not easy, especially given how hard it was snowing. But uh, I got that work done, nonetheless. Um, unfortunately, it did consume my evening, uh, and I had to push the recording of the dispatch back to Thursday night. Now, I was all ready to sit down and record this thing on, uh, on that Thursday, Thursday night, but then uh, my, uh, my assistant, Becky, um, well, let's, uh, let, let, let's say she distracted me uh, with her body, and, uh, and not much recording was done. Uh, as, uh, I, I hoped to get more done, but uh, not, not much was done. And then Friday, I got really high and forgot about it. Uh, yeah, so in conclusion, I'd like to thank you for your patience with me as I had a very busy week and could not record, but I will be returning to my usual programming from here on out, and thank you to my assistant Becky for the best blow I ever had. Until next time, then, I'm Colby Smith. Okay. Oh my god. Alright. Right. <laughs> I, I feel physically ill. <laughs> I, I, uh, the views and opinions expressed by the uh, guests on Radio Free Brooklyn do not reflect the of uh, the the host or the or the guest or the guest. That's, that, that's such a wonderful summation. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Elon. You were saying no, no, I no, don't. That's, I, that's such a wonderful summation. I'm with you. I'm of with you. you as a core, like just you and your essence, being like, this is how I feel. And this is my point of view. <laughs> There are, Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. There are so many things I want to say about <laughs> this clip. Here's, oh, God, please. I guess please. My, my first question, if, if you don't mind, is... <laughs> I, I do mind. <laughs> <laughs> they allowed you to be a little colorful in language as long as there was a bleep, but they didn't mind. Yes. They, they, they were okay with that. They, did, did they yes. come back to you and they were like, could you maybe take that part out? Nope. They didn't really. So this was the be so the dispatch from the U.S. where you're like, and I just want to thank Becky for the best <laughs> I've ever had. And they were yeah. like, yeah, cool. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the censor beep over would be funnier than just saying. When you definitely. Know, I think I was definitely, right. <laughs> un Unequivocally. But, definitely funnier. But uh, could use a punch up. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, okay. Um, if you haven't already sunken into like a shriveled flower after hearing that, very much, very much uh, shriveled. All right, shriveled, shriveled flower. Enlighten us as to what thoughts come into play. <laughs> okay. Well, this. first of all, the funniest thing about this to me is that I know that while recording these. I was trying to be quiet so my roommates wouldn't hear me. Oh, <laughs> which my is not God. which That's is real. not good for trying to be funny. No. <laughs> it's, be like, it's not, it's much, not like much, ASMR comedy. Yeah. Much less a audio recording. So I can't you can't even like go up or down with your voice in that scenario. The other thing is like it's like any young person trying to be funny where it's just like, well, I've been watching uh, all these old George Carlin specials. I'll just do what he did and just like make cheap sex jokes. That being said, I mean, you know, it was it was a different time. Uh, truly. You know, truly. this was the age of uh, wedding crashers, 40 year old virgin. Yeah. This was peak Apatow time. Oh, peak boy. Apatow. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Judd. That, that kind of thing was in. Would, would never do it now. I mean, because it's hack more than that it's uh, uh, anything else. But Derivative comedy that is a little uh, colorful in language like that. Uh, you were clearly v- very inspired in general by probably comedians of that variety. Even well, before. there you go. I've got Don Rickles and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and Jerry and Seinfeld. Gilbert Godfrey, Godfrey opening for me, which is so insane. So this is what's so insane about that to me. The year is 2011, <laughs> right? And my terms of reference are a comedian who is almost 90 years old and is about to die and a comedian who has just turned 60 years old and is famous for literally just being loud yes john mulaney was on snl at this point like uh uh, there were there were cool comedians that i could have been a a fan of and and uh reference who were uh younger but i I couldn't do it wait so so would you say this is accurate that was just the style of humor that you appreciated more it was what i was used to i guess okay these were not exactly well thought out. They were just kind of dashed off. So it was like, you just go from your... Wait, were you riffing in the moment? No, 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 no. no. Do you no these were all tightly scripted. It <laughs> <laughs> just makes it worse. <laughs> it's going to sound a little bit uh, strange, but did you find yourself attracted to the British humor at all? Uh, were you watch like British television and find yourself inspired by any of what you saw there while you were in st- yes. studying mode? Yes, I did. It might have been Sean, who I mentioned earlier, actually uh, gave me uh, the Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, uh, if you're familiar huh, with that. I'm totally unknown. What this is, is uh, Richard Ayotte is on it. Yes. And um, oh, who's the guy that's going to be in the new What We Do in the Shadows show on FX? Matt something. Matt Leary or something like that. Okay. Don't know. I don't think Honestly. it's Leary. Uh, anyway, it was like th- these guys were British sketch comedians. They did the show. That like the the hook of the show is the guy Garth Marenghi is like a Stephen King figure who's like this uh, a fake celebrated horror author, and it's him unveiling these episodes as like his lost TV project that, that he sounds also amazing. Acts that in. sounds amazing, and just like a parody of bad eighties effects and like action and stuff. And it's like a cut where it's like. One time, you know, you see a guy and then it cuts back and he's like holding a shovel for no reason. It's very, very funny. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. <laughs> it's the intellectual humor that gets you. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. You like I just think that's stick? a fun, uh, fun. Oh, yes. I love a good Pratt fall. Adam Sandler beating the shit out of Bob Barker in uh, Happy, Gilmore <laughs> Happy Gilmore is truly one of the funniest things ever. For real. I'm being completely serious. I see the sincerity no, you in your see, brow. You can is, see the is... love. Your face is lighting up. <laughs> and Will Ferrell, I think, uh, operates kind of in that tradition. Like, remember in yeah, Talladega yes. Nights where he's like running around in his underwear just going, I'm on fire! <laughs> 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 fuck you if you don't think that's funny. My I, truly fuck I, you. 
We have a second clip from oh. this role. Do you dread today even more now that we're playing the second one, as if the first one wasn't well, already? I think the first one is embarrassing in how just unnecessarily lewd it is. It just didn't like a very base attempt at being funny uh, for like three minutes. This one is embarrassing because it's so stupid. <laughs> cool. And like stupid, stupid can be great. Stupid can be amazing. But we this... just were chatting about all these you know, stupid comedians. I'm, I'm very, who I'm very injured, but I am still alive. <laughs> this is me trying to do like Lewis Black style outrage over the mundane, I think. Nice. That, this that, one. That's a, that's a good trope. And yeah. again, trying to be quiet while doing it. Shall we? Let us begin. Hello, stiff-ass Brits. I'm Colby Smith, coming to you again via pre-recorded message from the rural country town of Washington, D.C. Now, uh, as I was preparing up material for this uh, dispatch, I was trying to think about good things that America has given the world. And um, after about two days, um, I came up with Mark Twain, and uh, that stopped. That, that, was, that was the only thing I could come up with. So I thought I would start by reading a few of Mark Twain's um, wisest sayings. And uh, here's the first one. Adam and Eve had many advantages, but the principal one was that they escaped teething. That's great. And uh, here's, here's another one of my favorites. Um, Behold the fool saith, put not all thine eggs in one basket, which is but a matter of saying, scatter your money and your attention. But the wise man saith, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Oh yeah, Mark Twain. Um, I also would like to share with you. Uh, I'm sure, as we are all we are all students, that uh, occasionally in our mailboxes we get uh, we get advertisements and flyers and brochures and kind of things from uh, from very useless organizations that that really have no uh, bearing on advertising to students whatsoever. But I think the one I received recently um, takes the cake incredibly. I got this. It's a pink flyer. It's a single page. And up in the top left corner, for the return address, it says, Precious Metal Liquidators. Okay? And I open it up, and sure enough, Precious Metal Liquidators. A few minutes spent going through your jewelry box could be very rewarding. Convert old, unwanted, and broken jewelry into cash. We will be paying top dollar on site for all types of gold and silver and platinum, including sterling silver, flatware, serving pieces, bowls, and coins. Oh, finally, precious metal liquidators, you finally let me know. I can finally get rid of all this gold I have and turn it into cash. Oh, I've got all this gold and it's just laying around wanting to be cashed. Yes, Becky, what is it? No, you're gonna have to speak up. I can't hear you. I, I've got my headphones on. I'm doing the uh, the recording again that that we just uh, organized. Oh, you're you're telling me that you you found uh, something. You you've discovered something else that America has given the world. It's good. America has given us a world without Hitler. 
Um, Becky, I don't know how to break this to you, but uh, I think Hitler would have been a little more responsible with his money than America. Well, okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Uh, look look what you've done. You've, you've made me run out of time. All right, good, goodbye, 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 Sheffield. Uh, I wish I was there with you now, um, but as I said, I'm banned from Forge Radio, and, uh, well, we'll see you next time. Nope, nope, not prescient at all. Not See, Becky was a character the whole time. Anyway. Was she then? <laughs> Could she not be real? No, she wasn't real. But she was a character. Wait, what was the line? Sorry. Was America the... has given us a world without Hitler. Yeah. Okay. Debatable. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's debatable. We've got some kind of imperialism light that's happening right now. Yeah, there was a also uh, a uh, there, was, there was just a just a, a tried and true. Uh, the economy is bad joke there at the end, uh, which was topical at the time. That was my uh, John Oliver audition tape. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Morley and you uh, still keep in touch. I I trust. Every so often, uh, we kind of lost touch for several years, and then he. Um, I subscribe. This is also embarrassing. I subscribe to this podcast, The Comedian's Comedian, which is like an interview show out of England where they just like interview folks about stand up. That sounds amazing. It's really good. But uh, he did an episode of that and I didn't know he was going to do it and just like showed up on my phone. And sure enough, it was him. And so like I reached out and was just like, hey, I heard this, you know, this is so cool. You got to do this show. And then we had a nice little back and forth. But that was the first time in a while we've chatted. So it sounds like you don't. But do you still keep in communication with the guy? Not regular, yeah. You know, okay. But I mean, regular enough, you know. Yeah. I got you. you got a relationship. Yeah. The uh, time that you spent over on the other side of the pond was uh, really, truly a remarkable experience that uh, you keep with you. And despite how cringeworthy you might see these clips, this was certainly a good precursor to how you wanted to continue uh, developing your comedic style for mm-hmm. the radio. Do you see yourself? returning over to England and maybe like reaching out back to the same community that brought you up and saying, hey, you know, if you ever need any uh, other American dispatches in 2019, I'd be happy to provide them to you. (laughs) I never have done that, but I, I, I think I spend more time trying to get them to come over here. Okay. Uh, All right. There's another really great guy. That's cool, though. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. There's a guy uh, named Tom Burgess who was in it at the same time as me, who was like my, I guess, my closest friend while I was over there. He's done this amazing show several times over there where he plays a disgraced British child's television star (laughs) (laughs) uh, named Peter Fleming. How, how, oh God, but how disgraced? Just to be context of how he is disgraced. Where he like lost his show, but like it was like kind of senile and like it's like keeps like trying to get it back and it's like, like the character views this show as like him coming back into the spotlight to like be a star again oh it's just so funny and i think it would crush in new york it's just like a brooklyn alt comedy uh done um in england it's great it sounds amazing i think he should come here he should do it twice at union hall and uh uh, i think it would sell (laughs) out i think it would sell out you you do host a show that happens every month uh it the next knapsack you have is on March 26th. Is yeah, that it's a little, it's a little far away, a little away. ways away. But hey, uh, listener, put it in the calendar because that's a stacked lineup of contemporaries that you may know: uh, Rebecca O'Neill, Marsha Belsky, Taylor Garand, and Emily Winter, mm-hmm. who's gotten uh, really big lately. So uh, that's yeah. an amazing show that you, Colby Smith, will be hosting. Yes, I will. With, uh, with Matt Strickland and, uh, as my co-host, is also just a super funny, uh, great guy that I'm happy to work with. No cover, free. No cover, free. free. Both show. of these shows are free. Free comedy, y'all. We're in, in it, we're in it for the love of the game, baby. You and know what? You know what? I'll be there. 
Nice. And furthermore, uh, you could listen to Colby here, as we mentioned, every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn for Young Persons Radio. That'll about do it for us for this edition of Lost and Rewound. Colby, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elon. This was hard for me. Oh, come on. It was hard <laughs> for us, but we loved great it. Great meeting you. <laughs> great talking to you. Great listening to all of this. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, it's been such a blast. Thank you, guys. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. Radio Free Brooklyn is also proud to announce that we are now in the thick of our new after-school program called the RFB Teen Squad. You can go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash teen squad to learn more about that. Do remember that all of these contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Radiofreebrooklyn.org slash teen squad. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford, even if it's as little as a dollar. My name is Alon Danziger. And I'm Will Hasty. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Elon. Thank you, Colby. Thank you. You'll hear us next week right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ciao. Bye-bye. You've met the love of your life. There we go. All right, so it's Judy Greer. <laughs> okay. What so would you, I get Judy Greer? What would you get Judy Greer? Right. And you just broke her up from David Duchovny. <laughs> if in your mind, what would be the most bodacious, if we can call it that, engagement gift? Bo- so like extravagant. Without necessarily breaking the bank. Bold. If it, you know, it speaks from yeah, the heart. Bo- yeah, bolder, bolder than extravagant. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Here's a giant mold of my. Let him answer. No, no, don't, don't. That's just in, no, too no. much influencing. Kill, kill as much time as you want. Right now. <laughs>